2: $25 each.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now.
3: There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now.
2: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your
0: career, for your family, for your life you can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu.
2: From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now Or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio.
1: Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt.
2: My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holliday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. Long-time listeners, this is the part of the week where the show features you, Astrid. Usually three people. But this is the, this is the time of the week where we go through all the correspondences that we have received, all the emails, all the phone calls, uh, and we share your stories with your fellow conspiracy realists. We're going to be talking a little bit about the uh, slippery slope of framing a headline. We're going to be talking about some mysterious deaths. And maybe we start there because, I, you know, guys, I'd like to make a clarification. Earlier this week, at the very top of the show, we mentioned the death of John McAfee. And if it's okay with everyone, I propose that we start there.
1: Uh, yes, please.
2: I think another. must.
1: Yeah, another person found dead by suicide in a prison cell. I suppose it's possible that
0: by now that, uh, you know, what what do you call it? That kill switch or the, uh, the, dead, hand. the dead hand will have been initiated. But um, I don't know. The guy's got a history of crazy behavior and drug abuse. So mm-hmm. I also wouldn't put it past him to have just kind of uh, led to his own demise.
2: Which uh, this is why I just I say, you know, in the strange news, I had said, We want everybody to know that we are aware of this death uh, and we are doing a full episode. We're still doing a full episode in the near future. We thought, uh, given how many people had written in, it would be helpful uh, for us to give a little bit of context, a little bit of background, point to some of the controversies and some of the conspiracies. So here we go. Uh, Just choosing two quick emails because I really enjoyed them. First, Thomas. Thomas, you wrote in, with a title for your email that I quite enjoyed. It's The Death of Ya Boy, Y-A-apostrophe-B-O-I. And, you know, Thomas chooses his words carefully. He wants them to have the maximum impact, which I agree with. And here is his email in full. John McAfee didn't kill himself. Mm. That's it. That's, That's the email. And, we also have some people in the crowd who agree with you, Thomas, such as Kurt, who said, did you hear the unfortunate news that John McAfee took his own life, or did he? I think this would make for an interesting news update or a full episode. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Curtis. Uh, and then he provides a little bit of context, a little bit of the concerns this this, of course, has shades of Epstein, right? Uh, Jeffrey Epstein, the child trafficker, serial abuser, networker with billionaires. Uh, when he was found dead, people were certain that he had been murdered and his the scene of his death had been made to look like a suicide. We covered this in three different episodes in a series that still holds up today. I love that book series, Fifty Shades of Epstein, really gripping stuff. And, you know, the thing is that these cases aren't quite, they aren't quite the same. They have some commonalities, right, that are being hit upon in a lot of media coverage and a lot of speculation. But when we look at the case of McAfee, you know, we learn that he was a very different person in comparison to Epstein. And honestly, you know, all the cards on the table, folks— I I don't know about you, Matt, Noel, and Doc, but uh, I still feel like the official conclusion on Epstein's death leaves a lot to be desired, Uh, and there there are some real questions that need to be answered concerning irregularities in the investigation, the prison guards, the hyoid bone. The list goes on again. You can hear them in our full episode, but today we are going to take a page from Curtis and Thomas and look at the death John David McAfee, uh, to give you a bit of a primer before we do our full episode. So he was found dead on June 23rd, just a few days ago as we record this. And he was in the Bryans II Penitentiary Center, which is near Barcelona, Spain. His death came mere hours after the National Court of Spain had ordered that he be extradited back to the U.S., on criminal charges. Uh, And what's interesting about this right now, and this is an ongoing emerging story, is that while he was alive, on several occasions, he would say things like, he would say things like, if I am ever found dead by hanging, it will mean that I was murdered.
1: Do you want to say exactly, he has a, a quote here from Twitter referencing Epstein.
2: Hit us with it, yeah.
1: He says, know that if I hang myself, a la Epstein, it will be no fault of mine.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He also had a post where he said, quote, getting subtle messages from U.S. officials saying, in effect, we're coming for you, McAfee. We're going to kill yourself. <laughs> yes, that's how he wrote it. And then he says, I got a tattoo today just in case. If I suicide myself, I didn't. I was whacked with no E. Check Doesn't my he have right mad arm. tattoos? Doesn't he have like full back tattoos or like lots well, of tattoos? Yeah, that's what I say. The check my right arm part directly references a tattoo that he has in kind of a tribal style. He also, as you said, with a dead hand approach, uh, noted that if I'm arrested or I disappear, 31 plus terabytes of incriminating data will be released to the press. He said that later. This, this dead man switch or dead hand, is something we talked about before. It's the idea of taking posthumous revenge from beyond the grave by having a mechanism in place, which is not that hard to do, that requires you to check in on a verified, regular basis of some sort. And if you fail to do that check-in on schedule then it starts the ball rolling to a release of whatever juice or leverage you have over your enemies or whomever you think is trying to kill you.
0: It could be something as simple as a scheduled social media post, you know, like we do stuff like that all the time, or even like a scheduled text message that like sends out to a group or something, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And three days before he passed away on June 20th, his wife said, that Uncle Sam wanted him to die in prison. Specifically, she said, John's honesty has gotten him into trouble with corrupt governments and corrupt government officials because of his outspoken nature and his refusal to be extorted, intimidated, or silenced. Now the U.S. authorities are determined to have John die in prison to make an example of him for speaking out against the corruption within their government agencies. And then, of course, that posthumous Instagram post that was an image of the letter Q. Uh, this has been, by the way, taken down afterwards. So you won't see it on his Instagram today. It's strange right now. Uh, the official conclusion is that he died as a result of suicide. Like the autopsy results are back. They've been released and they appear to confirm that he took his own life via hanging himself. But his lawyer said he didn't have any suicidal ideation. His family, obviously, as you can tell, is not buying the official explanation. But there's something else that happened just yesterday. I found this first in the New York Post, but you can find it in multiple sources. Apparently, there was a suicide note found in his pocket when he was discovered dead. You guys heard about that, right? Like that just happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was released. Uh, was that with the autopsy report or the mm, uh, official reports
2: Yeah, report on the heels of it? Yeah.
1: I don't know, man.
2: Can I bring up a tweet
1: that, that John McAfee's the official McAfee, I think it's, yeah. At official McAfee went out on May 27th. I just thought you guys might find this interesting because um, I'm trying to analyze. I don't know. Maybe the thought the thoughts that are happening here. Many of the tweets are about how terrible prison is Mm -hmm. that that are that you can find on that official Twitter account now stuff mentioning sorrow uh, sorrow masked with like I forget exactly what it was and you can find stuff like this one today a man facing a difficult situation asked if I knew of painless ways to kill himself having little experience in such I was of not much help. The amazing thing is that the tone of the discussion was like discussing the weather. Prison is a strange environment. Uh, not that that has anything to do with his mindset and what he was going through. It is just, put I don't know, putting it out there that many of the other people, perhaps, that John was encountering were feeling
2: like self-harm was perhaps an answer. I see what you're saying, yeah. and And to clarify he was being extradited for tax evasion. Yeah, It wasn't, that's another thing that differentiates it from like the Epstein case. He wasn't, uh, he wasn't suspected at this point of the horrific crimes that Jeffrey Epstein and his network committed. Uh, Prosecutors specifically in Tennessee said that from 2014 to 2018, McAfee had, not been reporting income, and he had been evading taxes, and he, uh, apparently he was making money hand over fist, promoting cryptocurrency, and doing speaking engagements, but you can find statements from him where he's like, I don't have some hidden crypto fortune. He he objected to that, uh, but the the indictments were pretty heavy, and if convicted, he would have been in prison for up to 30 years. And if you know the U.S. justice system, then it's somewhat rare for people to serve the entirety of that time, but he still would have, no matter how you slice it, he would have been looking at years in prison, Mm. probably less than 30, but definitely wouldn't be getting out, you know, a week later. True. And he he also on Twitter said, uh, he admitted to this though, he admitted to the charges. He wasn't prevaricating or trying to make things up. He said, I have not paid taxes for eight years. I have not filed returns. Every year, I tell the IRS, I am not filing a return. I have no intention <laughs> of doing so. Come and find me. Wha- Dude. What- wasn't he also in trouble
0: for like pump and dump schemes with crypto, with like galt coins and all that? Like, Yeah, um- that-
1: yeah. Yeah, and he's, he's talking shade about Elon Musk on his Twitter account. Uh, listen to this. Can I just read one more tweet from him? I, Please. I, it's not pertinent. He's a character, man. He was
2: a character. Very much. Um, was, is it a January 3rd, 2019 tweet? No, this one's okay. from
1: May 22nd of this year. Okay. It says, Bill Gates is sued for divorce because of multiple affairs and hanging with the Epstein crowd. Surely this is a joke. Bill makes Mark Zuckerberg look like a sex god.
2: Wow. <laughs>
1: I mean, he really, he really kind of went after him on a physical level there, didn't he? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> it attacked his manhood, you could say, right? His virility, even.
2: Uh, that he's sort well, of an
0: innocuous little guy.
2: Yeah, McAfee is definitely, um, you know, the story of his life is filled with controversy, filled with crazy claims, crazy not-quite-proven speculation, and then very, very wild very well-proven things. Uh, I do want to give one more tweet here. On January 3rd, 2019, he said, quote, I have not filed a tax return for eight years. Why? Number one, taxation is illegal. I think we should mention he was uh, formerly aiming to be the libertarian candidate for the presidency. Uh, two, I paid tens of millions already and received jack shit in services. Three, I'm done making money. I live off of cash from McAfee Incorporated. My net income is negative. But I am a prime target for the IRS. Here I am. Like, there's some baiting going on here. Oh, yeah.
1: There is. Yeah, yeah. And, but, but just if you're trying to think about his mindset again, he's saying all that, right? Then he gets caught. He's in prison. He's facing federal charges and extradition. May 23rd, day after the Bill Gates one, he says, I once had everything. After uncountable lawsuits in the reach of the feds, I now have nothing. But inside these prison bars I have never felt more free. The things you believe you own in reality
2: own you. Sure. Which is I mean that last part is a philosophy that I think I think most people can agree with at some point in their lives.
1: What? Yeah, but it, but it just thinking about mindset he you can't definitively say anything from a series of, you know, tweets that are sent out by somebody. But uh I don't know, it just it, Uh, Maybe it's just interesting, interesting to talk about. And I'm falling prey to this, like desire to, to speculate, but I I don't know. It's interesting to think about.
0: I've always wondered too. I mean, surely the McAfee company has like a board of directors or, you know, is it a publicly traded company? I'm not really sure. Um, But with all of the negative press that he's received over the years, I mean, did he just sell it and they kept his name or has he always been the head of this company and continued to run it in some form or fashion?
2: Uh, yeah, good question. He resigned in 1994. Yes, he sold, yeah, He sold his stake in the operation and then he proceeded to become one of its most ardent critics. And he was actually telling people, you need to uninstall any antivirus software from that company. I think it's bloatware. And he was against them using his name, too. Right. But my question is, why would they?
0: I mean, like, for me, when I realized it was the same person, my mind was blown. I mean, because you think of antivirus software as being just that bloatware and kind of like unnecessary, uh, pretty ineffective um, software that slows your computer down, honestly, sometimes more than the things that it's trying to protect you from. And I'm like, how could this possibly be the same guy? I thought it was a joke, uh, and then sure enough, it, it's not. But uh, why do you think that the current company, you know, board of directors continued using his name, given the fact that he's outwardly attacking them, and uh, and that he's just this kind of like really divisive character?
2: I think it's name recognition because we have to realize, you know, back in the '90s, um, a lot of casual computer users probably wouldn't have known his life story and then as we'll find in the full episode he had plenty of adventures ahead misadventures might be a better word uh, but from what i understand and i'll need to do some more digging here he was at some point mcafee the company tried to rebrand under intel or something like that and they ran into a problem people who people who had already been familiar with this software under the name McAfee wanted to keep it because if you change the name, they'll think it's something different, right? And then sales will plummet. And the bottom line is, you know, is the main focus for a lot of organizations of this size. But be that as it may, yes, there are there are a lot of strange things surrounding John McAfee's death and the circumstances of his death as well as the location are making it tougher for Uncle Sam to seize his assets. That's some of the, that's some of the breaking news now. Earlier this morning as we record, Bloomberg uh, noted that the U.S. is going to have a tough time getting a hold of whatever assets they think he still possessed at the time of his death. So we're going to return to this very soon because, again, while there are arguably real suspicious things about his demise, his life itself is a a story worth telling and worth exploring. Uh, We're going to run into some interesting things, some plot twists you may not expect. Look for that in the near future. And in the meantime, let's take a pause for a word from our sponsors be odd if it was McAfee, wouldn't it? And we'll return with more letters from you.
3: So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Attention, true crime enthusiast, Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your
0: trusted companion for CBD relief.
1: and we're back with
0: stuff they don't want you to know the listener mail edition all the listener mail that's fit to speak on a podcast that's our our, our tagline mm-hmm. um, i see what you're uh, doing it, it mm-hmm, isn't really mm-hmm. but uh, this is a thing uh, you guys and it's something that i really didn't give much thought to until the washington post changed their tagline from something much more innocuous, I think it was like, We dig deeper or something like that, to democracy dies in darkness. You guys remember that? It was quite the news story. Um, there's obviously a couple ways you can read that. You can read that as, like, you know, in the absence of light, democracy will shrink and die. Or you can look at it as a. Uh, crushing admonition of the Trump uh, presidency. Obviously, they were at odds with each other, the Washington Post in particular, and also the New York Times. Um, Trump would would attack them frequently. So you could also just look at it as like a, yep, democracy is currently dying in darkness because that is what we are in right now is, is a dark age. Um, but it's interesting because it really does have, you know, dual meanings. And and it uh, led me and also our listener, uh, Feathercap, to wonder about the history of newspaper taglines. Lines. Um, so here's here's the letter from Feathercap. Greetings, longtime listener since 2018. Wow. Okay. Love the show. Uh, I was listening to Everything is Alive on Saturday. Which is a podcast that I, I don't think I know, but I need to check it out. Uh, at some point during the podcast, I heard an interesting factoid newspapers have slogans. In this case, the guy mentions the slogan for the Washington Post: "Democracy dies in darkness." I had no idea that newspapers have slogans. This could be an interesting topic—not a complete show, but a brief segment. I think others would be interested in hearing about newspaper slogans, history of best ones, worst ones, etc. Thanks for the amazing show. Keep on keeping on. Peace and love. Feather Cap. Um, I completely agree. Probably not a whole episode's worth, but definitely something uh, worth discussing here um, briefly. Uh, I found a real cool article. From CJR.org, that's the Columbia Journalism Review, uh, that again uh, references this dramatic Washington Post slogan change. Um, and it kind of led them to dig a little deeper uh, and go down the rabbit hole of where did these come from? Um, and uh, NYU, they quote in, in this article by Tony Reagan, uh, he quotes a professor from NYU's Arthur L. Carter Journalism Institute. Uh, and this gentleman also, his name's uh, Mitchell Stevens, by the way. He also wrote a book called uh, History of News. And he says this, newspapers and other products of the printing press were some of the first mass-produced products. Never thought about it that way, but it absolutely makes sense. Uh, The printing press allowed text and and print and stories and news to be, you know, duplicated many, 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 many times. It was one of the first examples of mass production. Uh, He goes on to say, slogans on the ears of the front page were the most regular and visible way to advertise. Um, He he goes on even to talk about how during frontier times, uh, there were small newspapers that would pop up. For example, if you think about um, the newspaper man in Deadwood, the the, the TV show about the Old West, Um, can't remember what it was, but pretty sure his little newspaper had a had a slogan. Um, So, for example, they talk about in 1775, there were three different newspapers around the Williamsburg area uh, in Virginia that were called the Virginia Gazette but each of them carried a a different tagline. The whole point was to differentiate your brand and make you stand out from the competition, uh, oftentimes which had the exact same name. So this was crucial. Uh, One of them was uh, containing the freshest advices, foreign and domestic. Um, The other was open to all parties, but influenced by none. Really like that one. And then uh, the last one was always for liberty and the public good. Of course, public spelled with a CK. Um, but yeah, I don't know, guys, is this something you've ever noticed or really paid much attention to beyond when we obviously had that very, uh, you know, soapboxy dramatic switch by the Washington
2: post? Yeah, I'm interested in this because it's, it's an argument for language and it's also, there's something a little bit forensic about looking, looking at the evolution of slogans over time. There's a there's a cool article that you might enjoy, Feathercap, uh, on theoutline.com dot by Adrian Jeffries, that runs through this panoply, this wide variety of of mottos, and you can find you can find some funny history here. There are some that are many are vaguely inspirational, some are pretty ambitious, uh, a couple are vaguely uh, threatening, some are are just so. Confident. For a long time, apparently, the Chicago Tribune's motto was the world's greatest newspaper. And then later, there was an adult magazine called uh, Screw. And this is all from that article. And Screw, when they started, they took the Chicago Tribune's motto. So if you were in the, you know, you're in the dirty part of the bookstore, you would also there see something billing itself as the world's greatest newspaper. But this, this is all framing, right? This all matters. This is like a business card for these enterprises to assure readers of their objectivity and their commitment to credibility. And so people, I can only imagine, spend a lot of time thinking about economy of language, how to make the Mm -hmm. most impact the smallest amount of words, just like our pal Thomas from earlier. Uh, there's there some, there some great ones. Uh, as a matter of fact, in this article, Jeffries includes the motto for her own outfit that she's writing for, for the outline. And their tagline is, it's not for everyone, it's for you. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's clever. Uh, there, there's a really fun one and,
0: and an interesting change that kind of, I guess, uh, is probably one of the most famous taglines, even if you don't know where it comes from, uh, for the New York Times. Uh, initially in 1896, uh, Adolf Ochs or o- 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 Oches, I think it's probably Oaks, O-C-H-S. A- o- um, he was a Chattanooga newspaper man and he bought the New York Times, uh, which was at the time actually g- going under. Um, and he had a contest uh, to see what the new slogan might be. And the winner was, it will not soil the breakfast cloth. And that's the, the implication so breakfast there is cloth? the breakfast yeah. cloth. That sounds like a uh, euphemism uh, for something it, messed up. Well, it sounds like shitting the bed or something, you know, I mean, like, really,
1: it will not soil the breakfast cloth like it's for like all you might, youngins out there. Yeah. When you used to have <laughs> breakfast every morning, you would not first before you do anything, you'd roll out the breakfast cloth, <laughs> yeah. then
0: possibly with a, with a sort of a
2: checkerboard pattern design on it, you know, or some flowers. We didn't have tables like aristocrats. No, I'm also thinking like, like someone's like, and if I had any regrets over the course of my long life, would be not sharing the breakfast cloth. Oh, indeed. (laughs) But the (laughs) thing is,
0: is, they're also
1: telling you the ink is dried. That's what they're, they're saying. That's exactly, they are telling
2: you, they're,
0: you're right. It is a quality control uh, thing. They're they're attesting to the quality of their ink and their actual. Like uh, I said, it's not going to get your hands all inky. But they're also saying it's not spewing all the same kind of garbage mm-hmm. that a lot of the yellow journalists, like William Randolph Hearst's papers, were. Uh, the Journal and and the Pulitzer's World, for example. Uh, again, I'm pulling a lot of this information from this excellent uh, Columbia Journalism Review uh, article that you should read in its entirety. Um, but uh, it was uh, setting uh, his paper apart from those because that yellow journalism was all about salacious headlines. And if it bleeds, it leads and all that stuff. And he wanted The New York Times to be much more like a thinking man's newspaper, you know. Got it. Um, and so eventually he he got rid of the breakfast cloth, which probably already wasn't aging particularly well. That's a shame. Uh, yeah, I know it really is. And changed it to, again, what's a pretty – popular phrase that I didn't realize even was associated with the times, which is all the news that's fit to print.
2: I got it. I I still, I'm over the moon about breakfast cloth. Like it could be used for so many weird things. Why don't we make it? Why don't we make it uh, a term of endearment? Uh, My little breakfast cloth. Uh, It's a little weird.
0: It's a little Uh, weird. uh, I got
2: to give a shout out. Though Uh, my favorite so far of these and Thank you for taking us down this rabbit hole. Uh, my favorite so far of these is comes from Mason Valley News in Yarrington, Nevada, This site in the article you mentioned earlier. It is, quote, the only newspaper in the world that gives a damn about Yarrington. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's brilliant. Noel, listen, when I, when I go out there and I pick up my dollar, maybe $2 newspaper, it just depends on where I am, I want to know, is there a publication? That is in any way threatening. Like their slogan is specifically a threat. Does that exist?
0: Yeah, it does. It does, Matt. And I think you know it does. I think I'm going to need you to give it to us.
1: Uh, well, if you're, if you're hanging out in Aspen and you pick up a copy of the Aspen Daily, as Matthew Cassell did, and then he tweeted a picture of it, you will find that this publication, the Daily Aspen, warns you uh, and everyone who may pick it up. If you don't want it printed, don't let it happen. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great. Uh, This one, on the other hand, from the Detroit News, definitely feels like a threat. And it's We Know Where You Live.
2: What? Fantastic.
0: Again, implication being We Know Detroit, which is
1: where you live. But it's also vaguely sinister. Like, We're coming for you, dear reader. If you're a subscriber, yeah that's hilarious wow
2: i uh just sent you guys another one. This is fun. The newspaper for those who can read this is uh from Nasha Canada beautiful yeah, this is fascinating and and also I think you could argue that in this situation some of these newspapers have made a little bit of false advertising right or they've like like uh newspapers do take a a stance a journalistic stance on any number of things um but, it, but it's fascinating because so much time and energy is spent in the mechanics of language for journalism like i I will always love a good snarky trashy british headline from from even like the very you know the papers of record and stuff even those folks will will go nuts'll we'll get Seuss-y in with a good with a good headline and uh I think there's an art to it you know I, I think there's an art to it
0: I I completely agree. I have to issue a slight retraction. All all of the other ones in this USA Today column were correct, but it appears that the Detroit news, we know where you live, isn't real. Um, Every other one in here is real, and it doesn't seem to be a parody column. Very strange. It's by Jerry Mitchell um, from the Jackson, Mississippi Clarion Ledger. And the the title is really column slogans, state of newspapers, truth in changing times. But I tried to Google it because it does seem just so perfect and, and bizarre. And I couldn't find any references to it. So uh, I don't know, Doc, you're from Detroit. Have you
1: ever heard of the Detroit News? We know where you live. Or the De- um, Detroit Free Press.
3: <laughs> well, the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press are definitely like the two biggest newspapers in Detroit. But I've never heard that slogan before.
0: Uh, womp, womp, womp. Well, anyway, uh, check your sources. Jerry Mitchell. I did. Um, anyway, but yeah, the, all, of these, all of the rest of these are absolutely correct and real. And um, you're right, Ben. I mean, remember when, I don't know if they still do this, but remember when newspapers used to endorse a political candidate? Yes. Yeah. Is that, and that something will, that still that happens?
2: Still
0: happen. Yeah. But but some during, you know, I, I know because the Trump administration was quite divisive, uh, they... Chose to abstain, I believe, or or there was uh, definitely some of that tradition was broken during that election.
2: Yeah. We run into this sometimes when we see something that's a national rather than a regional publication, right? So it's a matter of ethics and economics, I would posit, uh, meaning that you want to keep your circulation as high as possible across the nation, meaning that there are 320 million plus people. Who rarely agree on anything. And and so you're definitely drawing a line in the sand uh, if you say, hey, this is our guy. Please stay subscribed to our paper. You know what I mean? Like I so maybe, maybe it's a safety thing, or maybe the the just tenor of news has has changed. Because we have to consider, you know, with the rise of television, a lot of newspapers ended up taking a hit in circulation and with the rise of online news or online sources purporting to be news, then what we found was that people were getting a lot of their news and reporting from television channels that already had well-established their perspective and whatever bias they might have or wherever they sit uh, in terms of the political spectrum. Like, it's obvious, right, regardless of how you feel on the subject of which is right or which is wrong, it's obvious that Fox News is right-wing, and it's obvious that MSNBC is left-wing. So the argument would be that with television, they're getting news from sources that aren't objective, and the papers are trying to show that they are objective, even when that is not the case.
0: Which is so funny because, I mean, you know, it's not like CNN calls themselves a liberal news network or that Fox calls themselves a conservative news network. I mean, I guess they do sort of, but it's not it's not front and center. It's just more something that you have to kind of like pull from their ideology that f- for certain networks can be more nuanced. Like I always get confused. Like what is MSNBC? Uh, I think they're liberal, but I, I, it's like, it's weird that we have to make that distinction almost in the same way that like we do with candidates. Cause it really is like a lot of different things taken in totality that make you that one thing or the other. And why can't it be like shades of that thing? You know what I mean? It seems like there's room for, Uh, many political ideologies in the news, but I honestly, there shouldn't be any at all. It should all be objective, but there's always going to be kind of an agenda. And I think we see that with these uh, taglines there. That's where they're sort of drawing their line in the sand, right? Like the whole specifically some of the older ones where it was like, uh, I think there was one that I mentioned that was uh, implying that it was open to both parties, but leaning toward, not one in particular. I'm, I'm obviously they don't pay me to write uh, newspaper
2: taglines. Oh, uh, I got one. Uh podcasting. Read with your ears. All right, we'll workshop it. Never mind. What was that one we did are. for
0: Miller Light, Ben? I think that the was the beer's all you. so
2: good you can drink it with your mouth. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we real? gave we, we gave we gave that one to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Beer I think it <laughs> Go ahead. See, you <laughs> like it. You like it, right, Matt? Now you're thinking yeah. of ice cold Miller Light and putting your mouth on it Well, it it wouldn't be a segment if we didn't end it
0: with a uh, a couple of uh, pithy ai generated slogans of our own because that's something we definitely do all the time i found a website called slogangenerator.org so let's see what if i type in it only lets you put in one word so for this one i'm going to choose beer and then i'd love each of you to give one and we'll, we'll see what it comes up so i hit generate slogan and we've got we dedicate ourselves to splendid beer matt what you got uh, so you
1: can only do one word at one a time. Word,
0: one word at a time. Sorry. Um, it's a very rudimentary slogan generator. Magic. Mm-hmm. Love that. Okay. Magic generate slogan. We know magic. There we go.
2: I, uh, <laughs> I think I've, I found the same site. Is it okay. Uh That's a different one. I'm just using okay.
0: slogangenerator.org, which okay. is much more official because it's an org.
2: Yeah. So I, I'm going to try this different one. And I, uh, let's see. I don't want to spoil the surprise, but I've got a good, I've got a good slogan for you. Okay. <clears throat> breakfast cloth. Let the good times roll. Yes. Uh,
0: huh? Let me try nice. it on this one. <laughs> Maybe it'll let you do two words. Breakfast cloth. Here we go. Is
2: breakfast cloth in you? The breakfast cloth specialists. <laughs>
0: okay I think we've had enough fun with this let's uh, take another quick break and then we'll be back with uh, one more piece of listener mail from you
3: So visit snagajob.com or text SNAG to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Class is in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. Attention, true crime enthusiast, Searching for a way to unwind after diving deep into the mysteries that keep you up at night? Look no further. Introducing Lazarus Naturals, your
0: trusted companion for CBD relief.
1: well hey welcome back everybody this is the listener mail segment and i've got a voicemail for us to hear
3: hey this is palin washington i got a shout out from you guys a long time ago back when you did the plant intelligence video um i was wondering if you guys could look into the john lane case in the fresno police specifically the cameras and the van i want to know if specifically that was a thermal camera that they were looking at, I know that in Waco, um, evidently like the British were using like thermal cameras to look into the com- the compound, and it'd be interesting to see if like thermal cameras have gotten that small now to where they can employ them in vans and stuff like that. So like that would be cool. That'd be a great episode. I think. I'd appreciate it. Thanks.
2: Bye. Hey, an old friend of the show. You know that always always makes my evening to hear. That's I right. Hang out during the daytime.
1: Talent Washington was watching our videos when they were on the How Stuff Works YouTube channel. Wow. Oh my God. Yeah, as before,
0: even my time.
1: Weird deep cut for everybody here. We used to put hidden messages sometimes, not subliminal, just hidden messages into our videos. And sometimes we would shout people out. Sometimes we would send people on uh, a bit of a rabbit hole about some extra information we didn't want to say out loud. Check out our videos to find those. Um, and I we actually shouted out Talon Washington in a video and I think it's the plant uh like how sophisticated Are plants maybe. Mm-hmm. I can't remember the actual title on the old house stuff works channel. But anyway, we've known this person for a long time. It was great to hear their voice and yeah. Talon is asking specifically about John Lang. That's L A N G who was a person who lived in Fresno, California, a person who died. Before we get into a lot of the specifics, guys, I want to jump to the official reporting from two outlets, ABC Channel 30 in Fresno, California, and the Fresno B, also in Fresno, California. I'm going to read you guys a couple of articles from them, and it is the official story of what's happening in real time when this person, John Lang... Died. Okay. Isn't the Fresno Bee a jokey newspaper? No, Fresno Bee is the Fresno Bee. I there believe. was one
0: from Fresno that I swear to God I found, and it was for another show, and like realized that it was totally bullshit, and that it was like a satirical newspaper. Oh, I I, I don't- you may not, I'm sorry. I just something triggered in me. I just remembered. Um, it was about wolf whistles. We It was like a ridiculous history episode we did, and there was one article we found about the reverse wolf whistle that was like women hollering at dudes, and it was this whole article, and I believe the Fresno Bee, and it was completely satirical. But it may have been just like a column. or a Please ignore me if I'm incorrect.
1: Uh, Fresno Bee, I believe, is owned by McClatchy. Okay. I think they're, they're real. Yep, good deal. Um, and, and the Fresno Bee comes into play in the bigger story here about John Lang, And I'm just going to go ahead and put this out there. I don't think we have time to cover this whole thing, but I'm going to take you through the story, let you see why it feels like we should be asking questions about this person's death. Okay, so here we're jumping first to ABC 30. There's an article called Man Found Stabbed in Burning Central Fresno Home. Inside, they describe how a man was discovered Inside a house that was on fire. He was pronounced dead at the hospital. And there's a video you can watch on this article of uh, the neighbor's reactions to what's going on. Um, The smoke was first spotted by neighbors. They were right around in that area. And apparently firefighters were just down the road doing a completely other call. They were like involved with other things when they got flagged down and the 911 calls started coming through. They went into the home, and this is important, the home had a large gate, large, large iron gate in front of it. Firefighters broke their way through, got into the house, found a man unconscious in the kitchen and bleeding from several stab wounds. Again, this is according to ABC News. He was taken to the hospital and pronounced dead there, and Lieutenant Joe Gomez with the Fresno Police Department uh, said they didn't know whether the stab wounds or perhaps smoke inhalation from the fire ultimately led to this person's death. Um, but they did say it was suspicious, like uh, investigators called, it, called the death and the whole situation suspicious, and they believe the house was intentionally set on fire. Okay. right. So that's article number one. That was January 21st, 2016. Now let's jump to the Fresno Bee just a couple of days later on January 25th, 2016. This article is titled Man Found Dead After Suspicious Central Fresno Fire Identified. And the Fresno Bee says that this person is, in fact, John Lang, who was 51 years old. He had multiple stab wounds to his abdomen and upper back, according to the authorities. That's the Fresno B saying that. The body was found around 3.15 p.m., so in the afternoon. And again, he was not responsive, rushed to a hospital, and pronounced dead. And they again say it's unclear whether he died as a result of stab wounds or the fire, which damaged much of the home. So if you just know that, you know a person is found in a house stabbed while the house is on fire, right? If if anything has happened that was suspicious, I would say that was probably be it. Well, also talk about adding insult to injury. I mean, if it getting stabbed isn't enough and they set your house on fire, it seems that way, right? And then there's an investigation with the Fresno Police Department. I believe I don't know if the Sheriff's Department actually had anything to do with this, but the Fresno Police did. And here is what is published on April Fool's, not for April Fool's, but on April 1st, 2016, by, again, ABC Channel 30 there in Fresno. They said that the Fresno County Coroner's Office confirms that John Lang's death was a suicide. Uh, Okay. According to this article, coroners determined that the wounds were self-inflicted. And uh, it actually posts the coroner's report and the full information here. You can find that it's on ABC 30 search for John Lang's death ruled a suicide. And you can actually read the whole thing if you want to. Uh, We are going to. And that's something we'll be looking at if we do indeed cover this more. They say that the cause of death in this case
2: was inhalation of smoke. Right, not the stab wounds, which uh, which people will argue were somewhat superficial. It's interesting, though, isn't it, that the the initial statement from Fresno PD via the public information officer, a guy named Lieutenant Joe Gomez, initially Gomez says that he was killed by multiple stab wounds. And then it's later when that report comes out and they say, no, it's actually smoke inhalation because... Uh whatever fire was lit wasn't it didn't ultimately destroy the building right It didn't turn into a structure fire no no, no, it's almost as though the house fire
0: was like a diversion or like it was a a knowing way of making it look like something else happened uh I don't know um but isn't there it gets weirder though doesn't it matt
1: yeah well yes there's there's a potential for many different things in this story. I would say it gets very much weirder because. Uh, <laughs> The rabbit hole gets really deep on this one, guys. John really did believe that the Fresno Police Department Law Enforcement in his local area had a vendetta against him. And you can find his YouTube page if you search for it. It's, I believe, if you search for Lang Marine, M-A-R-I-N-E, L-A-N-G-M-A-R-I-N-E, you can find it. There are, I don't know, a couple dozen videos, maybe less than a little less than that on that YouTube channel that you can view. It's all surveillance photography from his house. You can see the iron gate there. You can see the camera that Talon Washington mentions. Talon said, you know, is that camera thermal imaging? Or I believe there's something to that effect. Was it a thermal imaging camera? And, This is a question that has just been nagging at me ever since he asked it, because I don't believe that I or anyone else can prove through that YouTube video if this is, in fact, some kind of thermal imaging device, because in order to know that you'd have to look at essentially the sensor in this YouTube video. It was posted April 16th, 2015, titled Thermal Imaging Threat and Intimidation by Fresno Law Enforcement. Again, those are the words of John Lang um, saying what he believes is in this video. You can see a van open that sliding door. There is a person holding a mobile rig camera system that definitely has glass on the front, some kind of lens, and pointing it what looks to be directly at the house where the camera is. And by, just to go back, the whole point is that I can't prove, nobody else can prove what the sensor was on that device because all you can really see in this grainy YouTube video is the lens itself.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Though, in like the caption or I guess in the metadata for the YouTube video, he claims this was um, an example of Fresno, California sheriff uh, personnel checking to see if he's home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that they could then enter his premises illegally and what find compromise on him or like, I don't know what they, what is he accusing them of in that department? There
1: is a, there is a huge story that is, it is told by John Lang in the, in a series of social media posts on Facebook and other places on the Fresno bees commenting system on their site as well as in these youtube descriptions and comments and titles there's a there's a whole story that john lang believed uh whether it was true or not we can't say we don't know but he believed it and then he met that demise so you know the, if we do cover this it's going to be about looking at his story looking at what happened and seeing what we can prove and what we can't i i think
0: Oh God. I mean those comments you're talking about, Ben, he accuses an employee of the Fresno B of leaking his IP address to law enforcement. Right. That's 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 one of the uh the claims that he makes in, in one of these these captions.
2: There's there's a lot of stuff that I want to say about this. In fact, we could we cut some of it uh because yeah. we're gonna do a full episode on this. So already there are some some clear rabbit holes, there's some badgers and bags here. Every life lost on some level is a tragedy, even if you don't care for the person who passed. Uh, And I, I think we can make a pretty solid argument that one of the best things you can do is have a clear understanding of what actually happened to someone, especially if, and we're not saying this is the case, but especially if a person is in a situation where the folks who took their lives are walking around free today. You know what I mean? There, There is something to be said for justice. Uh, this, yeah, this is going to be complicated. Talent, you know, you, you've stuck with us for so long, man. I feel like the least we can do is, uh, is dive into this episode.
1: I, I think we, we should. I'm going to answer your question about the camera right now, though. Because I can't tell you for sure what it was, but you asked if they were small enough if a FLIR camera, a thermal imaging camera was small enough to fit onto that rig. A hundred percent yes.
2: in 2016, too, right?
1: Yes, if you uh, right now, if you head on over to flIr.com F-L-I-R.com, you can find something that is meant to be specifically used by law enforcement and other security forces called the FLIR breach that it, this is something that you can attach to to a lens or you can attach to a rig. It's a sensor, basically, that can see thermal imaging. You can also find something called this Scion PTM, which is a monocle like this. You just hold up that uses thermal footage so you can see if somebody is inside a house or not, the way John feared that uh, you know the law enforcement was doing to him. In it's observing almost him.
0: like uh, one of those things you'll see a director looking through to to frame a shot. Like it's that small. It's like a tiny telescope. You know. Now,
1: now that is not what was. You, that was definitely not no, what was used no. in that video. But it exists. If we want to talk about it being small enough, uh, the other one, the FLIR breach, is more interesting to me. That doesn't mean it was necessarily a Flear camera in the video. But on their YouTube, it shows how you can connect this thing up to uh, monitors because it seems to me that in that video with the van, you can see that they've got a camera and glass set up a lens with some handles to hold it and some kind of monitoring situation there too. Who knows if that's what it was. The last site you can check if you want to PR infrared.com on this site, you can find handheld and mobile thermal imaging uh products and you can look through here there are a ton of different ones from FLIR and Pulsar and Envision and Infraray Zeiss. There's a ton. Check them out. See what you see there. See what you think. And uh we I look forward to discussing this further with you guys. And I just want to say thank you so much, Talon, for both you know leaving that voicemail and for talking to me on the phone. I had a really nice conversation with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to this.
2: Feels like catching up with an old friend, you know. We've been doing this show for uh, quite a while, and one of the reasons that uh, we check in once a week with letters from you is because you are the most important part of the show. I know I say it all the time, but it's only because it's true. It can't happen without you. So thank you to Feathercap, thank you to Talon, thank you to Curtis, thank you to Thomas, thank you to everybody who has written in or taking the time to reach out to us, particularly with suggestions for topics you feel our fellow conspiracy realists will enjoy in the future. If you would like to take a page from your fellow listeners book and contact us, we would absolutely love to hear from you. We try to be easy to find online. That's
0: right. You can find this on Facebook and Twitter. We are Conspiracy Stuff. Uh, we are also Conspiracy Stuff on YouTube and we're Conspiracy Stuff show on instagram if you wish you can also find our facebook group here's where it gets crazy all you got to do is name a name one or three or a producer or two or the whole crew or just make ben laugh and you're in lots of good memes and conversations to be had there oh also while you're on the internet could you leave us a review we would really love that a positive one please
1: yes sure or you can leave us a vocal review no, don't do that. Do, do it on the podcatchers. That that helps the show more. But you can call us because we have a phone number. It is 1-833-STD-WYTK.
2: You'll hear a brief message confirming you're in the right place, and then you'll have three minutes. Those three minutes belong to you. Uh, why not give yourself a sick nickname, the one you've always wanted? Let us know if it's okay to use your voice and uh, your message on the air. Tell us what's on your mind. And uh, if there's something that you would rather just share with the group uh, instead of, you know, the whole podcast, that's fine. Just leave it at the end. Most importantly, don't censor yourself. You've got a 12-minute story. Don't try to make it three minutes. That's what went wrong with Game of Thrones. Uh, Type out your story in full. We read every email we get, uh, and you can send it to us anytime, anywhere, where we are.
1: Conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com